Hello, and welcome to the Bible Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Kelly, and I'm here to help you understand what you just read in the Bible. Hello, everyone. I am so glad you're on this journey with me. If you are new, welcome. If you have any questions on how the podcast is laid out, you can listen to my introduction episode. And everyone is welcome to go to my website, bmepodcast.com, to drop me a note ask any question, or just get up to date on the podcast with the resources I have there, including links to all of my pop culture references. Welcome to week 51. We're in Philippians, 1 Timothy, Titus, 1 Peter, and the book of Hebrews. Timeline is 63 to 68 AD. Let's start in the Philippians. So a letter goes to the Philippians from Paul, and as we learn since he has been in chains in Rome, that the gospel is spreading there. And even though some preach of it of malice, thinking it will cause Paul's death and destruction, it doesn't matter because they're still preaching Christ, so we win. Paul discusses wanting to go on and be with the Lord in heaven, but he knows that he can still influence and preach Christ here to bring more to Christ, so he... As much as he would like to go ahead and be done with all of this, he want he will stay and continue to preach as long as God lets him. And then, in another jab at anyone that preaches the prosperity gospel, Paul claims in chapter 1, verses 29 through 30, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. If you are a follower of Christ, you will struggle. You will have some hardships. If you don't, I mean, good for you, but God doesn't want you to be just happy. He wants you to be obedient, and that does come with struggles. Of course, then we come into chapter 2, and let me tell you how I'm convicted nearly every time I get to verse 14, which says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. (laughs) If I'm good at grumbling, I'm even better at arguing, and usually to my own detriment, if I'm honest. So I ask forgiveness and pray for God's help with this as I continue in my walk. Feel free to join me if this is you as well. Paul goes on to describe how our walk with God should be and what our goal is. Anything that we have physically or mentally, like being really smart, being an exceptional athlete, I am not good with money, I struggle, doing the right things by society standards, etc., while maybe good in and of themselves, are nothing compared to our relationship with Christ and what we accomplish in Him. Those gifts that we have are to be used in toward Christ. Otherwise, anything we may accomplish will go to waste as it won't be stored in heaven. And in chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, this is how we should view our gifts and goal in mind. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. A note, we will not be perfect, but it is what we strain to do, to follow Christ to the best of our abilities. Meaning, we won't be perfect in this, but perfection is not our goal. Trying to be more like Christ every day is the goal. And then to sum up, and I think really drive home how we should be in our walk with Christ and what that looks like in our private and public life, Paul says in chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. First Timothy. We can see Paul is making sure that whenever he might be taken to Caesar and if he is condemned to die then, he has stated all that he wants to. So we read the first letter that Paul writes to fellow believer and Pastor Timothy, which if you'll recall had also been uh, with him on a on a couple journeys. He goes on to remind Timothy that the law was not written for those who follow as none of us can, but for all who break it, which is all of us. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexualities, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. And if you don't find yourself in that list I just read off, please listen and read again, as you are in there, and so am I. But even being one of those things, through Christ, God has extended his grace so that we might be reconciled to him. He then gives instruction on worship and where we find the ever controversial verse, chapter 2, verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. Kelly, side note. I, too, have bristled against that verse and wrestled with it and very much wanted to say what I what I hear so many other haters of the verse say and what they interpret it to mean because that's what they want it to mean. But here's the deal. If it is between my personal feelings or what the Bible states outright, I know I am wrong and the Bible is right. Therefore, this verse falls under that as well. And I have prayed a lot about it because I love teaching everyone about the Bible. But God has led me to other verses and through sermons and other scholars' words, which actually had nothing to do with this text, but we're talking in general. And God has shown me why he had Paul write that. And I'm fully at peace with it. And if you are struggling with this, I would be happy to go over how I arrived at the peace. Just email me because I get, as a woman, it. <laughs> I, I've been there and I bristled, so I totally get it. So email me if you need to. Uh, Paul goes into what a leader and a deacon should be. He continues to encourage Timothy in his walk with Christ and not to let anyone look down on him while he is young. Wisdom can come from the young, and no matter what age you are, you should recognize godly wisdom when you hear it and see it. Paul continues to direct Timothy in how to run a church and congregation, how to handle the needs of people such as widows, elders, young people, etc., everyone and how to be fair in his decisions as well. Kelly, side note, Paul does say in chapter 5, verse 23, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. So I personally am not opposed to an alcoholic drink here or there. I'm just going to throw that out there. But I want you to keep in mind that at the time of this, that the water back then was full of microorganisms and caused all sorts of gut illnesses and was on general, not that good to drink. Like they didn't boil their water. They didn't get all this stuff. So you can imagine that by drinking just water, it could really make you sick, um, depending on where you got it. And so 
the wine of that day was not like the wine we have today. <laughs> it wasn't that strong, the everyday wine. And so the fermentation of that wine helped keep people from getting sick, you know, especially from what was flowing in the water. So that's what Paul's talking about. Like, it's okay to drink a little bit of wine to help your gut. So fair. He's not contradicting himself and saying get drunk. Just I, I see all kinds of weird interpretations of that. So I just wanted to clarify. So, much to read in chapter 6, but one of the most misquoted verses ever, speaking of another soapbox moment here, is chapter 6, verse 10, where it says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Note, it does not say money itself is the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. If someone is rich, it is not a sin. Door doesn't mean that they don't love God. I'll stop there because this is when I could preach about this, but we'll stop it there. Paul continues to remind Timothy, even if he or someone else has money, that we are to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. <sighs> Thank you, Paul, for summing up my soapbox. So next on Paul's list is Titus. He talks about appointing elders in the church, which when you read chapter 1, verses 10 through 16, you can see why. Because, man, not only does he tell Titus to rebuke those not doing well, but in doing so gives them a rebuke that is still read today. That rebuke goes like this. For there are many rebellious people, full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. He continues to tell Titus how to be controlled in Christ and to teach that to all the congregation to do good and seek it, especially in this day and age where so much wants to change and distract them from that mission. Could have been written today for sure. And remember that when we are saved by Christ, it is to do good. We are to act and work like someone who has accepted Christ as their Savior. Then Paul writes to Peter, the apostle, encouraging him in his faith that the trials and heartaches he went through are to help strengthen him in his faith and to continue to show that to others. To remind people, chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And then Paul encourages believers to keep their faith and walk in Christ, especially among pagan societies. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Paul continues to explain the relationship of a wife and husband and that we are not to be known by our outer garments or jewelry, but by who we are on the inside. 
and we should suffer in doing good if it comes to that. We are not to repay evil with evil, but to be above that. He concludes our trials and encouragement in faith with this, chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So that ends First Peter. <laughs> and then we get into Hebrews. Uh, so first thing to note, we do not know who wrote Hebrews. Many scholars believe it is Paul, even though it doesn't have his signature beginning and end. Others believe it could be written by several other people, and it doesn't really matter who wrote it, although I personally fancy the notion it was Barnabas, but that's just me. So regardless of who wrote it, chapter one establishes without doubt that Jesus is not an angel, is not. Now, the angels did announce the birth of Jesus. They were there when he rose from the tomb, but they are not the ones to be worshipped. They are pointing you to the one who is. Because even though he was a little lower than them when he was walking here on earth and fulfilling his ministry, that is literally less than a breath compared to before he came to earth and after. So Jesus is who we put our trust in for salvation. I think this point should also really drive home of who Satan is. He is not to be compared to Jesus since he was only an angel. He's more like the archangel Michael than anything resembling God or Jesus. The writer also points out that because Jesus was made human, he went through all the same emotions and issues that we, we as humans go through so he can help us in our situations. As chapter 1 verse 18 says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And chapter 3, the writer shows not only is Jesus greater than Moses, but that we need to not act like the Israelites did then, even Moses, who at the time was rebellious. We have Christ, therefore we can do and be better. And if you're anything like me when you read chapter 4 about entering God's rest, you might have sighed and thought, huh, nap sounds great. Sadly, the nap this one is talking about is a dirt nap. And how to enter God's true rest, being with him, we need to do the work and follow him. Share Christ with others so they too may enter this rest and be with God. And while the word may not be popular, as it says in chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to who we must give account so that what you do on earth is seen and heard. But because of Christ Jesus, we have someone who will stand in for us so that we may go to God's throne of grace with confidence. And then we get why Jesus is the superior and only high priest we need since our earthly ones are subject to the same things we are and have to atone for their sins as well. Christ is able to atone for all of our sins. And with that, we need to grow in our faith to go from baby Christians to power adult Christians who can lead and mentor the new Christians coming in. Now, this is not about physical age, but how long you've been a Christian. I expect someone who has been in the faith five years to know and act better than someone who has been in it for five months. Just like I expect somebody who's been in it for 15 years to act better than someone who's been in it five years. We should always be maturing in our faith. And since we have the certainty of God's promise in our life, there's no reason for us not to mature in our faith. 
Chapter 7 through 13, we learn about Melchizedek, who was the priest before there was the actual set priesthood of the Levites, as he was a priest during Abraham's time. However, how he acted and how he believed was a precursor to what Jesus would be like and who he was. And of course, since Jesus is the Son of God, died on the cross to sacrifice for our sins and rose again, he was way more than Melchizedek. But Melchizedek, as far as earthly priests go, was one of the best. There is no one like Jesus who can help us with all of our earthly issues. But also, he intercedes and helps us with our spiritual issues, too. So no earthly priest can ever do that. They just can't because they have their own issues and sins that they have to deal with as well. And Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. We do not need to have sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament. Jesus literally paid and did it all with his sacrifice. So Jesus is the ultimate in everything. He's the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate priest, the ultimate friend. And because his place among the Holy Trinity, he also intercedes and loves us like God does. And since Jesus is all of these things for everyone at any time, we can and should persevere in our faith with him. Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith because it shows how throughout all time faith worked in and through believers of the time before Christ and how we now have it better than they did because they never got to experience Christ and his salvation and therefore they never got the Holy Spirit that he sent us after he ascended. Even our struggle with sin is not outside of his ability to help us. Now, sometimes when he helps us, we will deal with discipline and consequences. That's part of what happens when we sin. But because God loves us, he will discipline us so that we don't fall into that sin and deal with those consequences again. If we disobey or don't learn from that discipline, it's not going to go well for us. You keep making the same mistakes, you're not only going to reap the same consequences, but more than likely, it's only going to get worse. So don't stop in doing good. Keep going and love one another through this. Being a human is hard. And following Christ as a human can be harder because it goes against our flesh and human desires. So be kind to yourself. Be kind to one another as you're going through it. Love each other. Lift each other up. Tell the truth as well as it will go with all of us. And this is where we end today. If you have any reactions, thoughts, questions, or words you need to throw my way, please do so at my website, bmepodcast.com. Have a most fabulous week, and I'll talk to you in the next episode for our final episode. (laughs) 